The Hamlet Podcast, episode 107. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. We are in the middle of an ugly, curious scene. Hamlet has just killed Polonius, whose body is lying on the floor, and the prince is berating his mother for having married his uncle. Let us never forget that this is obviously not normal. Much of the previous episode was taken up with Hamlet's description of his father, a sequence of comparisons with mythological paragons, Jupiter, Mars, Mercury among them. Hamlet is comparing images of the two kings, whether in paintings, lockets, or whatever a given production might imagine. Having made it very clear what an exemplary man his father was, Hamlet questions how Gertrude can possibly have settled for his inferior brother. He continues... Look you now what follows. Here is your husband, like a mildewed ear, blasting his wholesome brother. Have you eyes? Could you on this fair mountain leave to feed and batten on this moor? Huh? Have you eyes? You cannot call it love. For, at your age, the heyday in the blood is tame, it's humble, and waits upon the judgment. And what judgment would step from this to this? Sense, sure, you have, else could you not have motion, but sure, that sense is apoplexed, for madness would not err, nor sense to ecstasy was ne'er so thralled, but it reserved some quantity of choice to serve in such a difference. What devil was that thus have cozened you at hoodman blind? Eyes without feeling, feeling without sight, ears without hands or eyes, smelling sands all, or but a sickly part of one true sense, could not so mope. Oh, shame! Where is thy blush? Merely comparing the two kings would be an understandable, but maybe a little obvious choice. Shakespeare manages to enrich the speech with a variety of extra flourishes. Hamlet begins by switching the focus from the image of his father to that of Claudius. Look you now what follows. Here is your husband, and he describes him like a mildewed ear, blasting his wholesome brother. This refers most obviously to the murder, which was perpetrated via the ear, as recounted by the ghost and depicted in the play. But this image also calls to mind the story of Pharaoh's dream from the book of Genesis in the Bible. The Egyptian ruler dreamt of healthy ears of corn being overtaken by seven thin ears, blasted by the east wind. For those familiar with the Bible, as Shakespeare's audience certainly would or should have been, the echo is clear. It is an unfavourable comparison, wholesome ears of corn consumed and supplanted by their brothers which are thin, mildewed ones on the same stalk. For those feeling particularly creative, there's also the echo of Joseph who interpreted this dream for Pharaoh. Joseph himself was a wholesome brother, also supplanted if not actually killed, by his greedy brothers. Hamlet goes from allusion to the Bible to a direct question. He asks his mother, Have you eyes? Can she not see the spectacular difference between these two men? Gertrude, bear in mind, is still sitting and wondering what specifically she has done to provoke this aggressive behaviour from Hamlet. He's dance around the idea... Such an act, he said, and she's asked with mounting frustration, I me what act? Hamlet dropped a little hint even further back when she asked, 
what bloody deed is this? And he replied, saying, almost as bad, good mother, as kill a king and marry with his brother. Hamlet was perhaps hoping for a dramatic reveal at that moment, his bloody deed hopefully having been to himself have killed a king. But he was sidetracked at the realisation that it was Polonius, and so the big drama of his explanation of Claudius having killed his father was undercut, and so we have to find our way back to it. We very seldom go near the first quarto on this podcast, simply because it would add more or less a whole year to our journey through the play. But for once, it's worth mentioning an extra line that does appear in that text. In it, Hamlet asks, have you eyes? And continues, and can you look on him that slew my father? Understandably, it was removed and doesn't appear in the second quarto or in the folio. Gertrude would immediately want or need to stop him for more details if he said so, and Hamlet is here entrenched in this long description of the two men. Instead, the have you eyes question hovers over another comparison. Could you on this fair mountain leave to feed and batten on this moor? Hamlet's wondering how Gertrude, like a wayward goat or something, could be content to leave this fair mountain, his father, and batten or feed on a moor. Here there's a contrast between high and low. The mountain is high, the moor is less impressive. The first quarto also includes a reference to Claudius being like Vulcan, the blacksmith, who was notoriously ugly and unpleasant, another sharp contrast to the other gods mentioned earlier. Claudius really isn't doing well in any of these comparisons, but it seems to be Gertrude that is really under attack. Hamlet asks her again, Ha? Have you eyes? You cannot call it love, for at your age the heyday in the blood is tame, it's humble, and waits upon the judgment. Now Hamlet presumes to tell his mother that she cannot possibly be attracted to Claudius. She cannot really be in love, since, quote-unquote, at her age, sexual attraction, the heyday in the blood, is tame and humble and waits on or is subservient to one's judgment. It is maybe a bit presumptuous for Hamlet to be saying that a queen of a certain age is surely beyond having any desires, particularly since this play is the product of an England ruled over by a queen who had her own passions at various stages in her life. Whatever Shakespeare himself thought, Hamlet seems to think that his mother is far too old to be letting her heart cloud her judgment. And regardless, he asks, referring again to these two different kings, what judgment would step from this to this? He moves now into an extended riff on the various senses. He's decent enough to acknowledge that his mother has some sense, at least. Sense, sure, you have. Else could you not have motion? Obviously, her senses and her brain are working, because otherwise she wouldn't be able to move. But that's about all, it seems. He says, but sure, that sense is apoplexed. It is clear to Hamlet that her senses are stunned or paralysed, apoplexed, or suffering from apoplexy. Hamlet is the only person in any Shakespeare play to use the word like this. His mother is somehow stunned, he's saying. For madness would not err, nor sense to ecstasy was ne'er so thralled, but it reserved some quantity of choice to serve in such a difference. Here he's really going for her. Even a madwoman would not go so far as to make this choice. Madness would not err. 
and nobody's senses were ever so consumed in ecstasy or fantasy that they didn't have some little reserve of common sense, some quantity of choice, to be able to spot the extraordinary difference between these two men. Hamlet's really rubbing Gertrude's nose in it, and asks, What devil was it that thus hath cozened you at Pudman's blind? What kind of a devil set her up, he's asking, as though she was hooded and tricked while playing blind man's buff and had to make her choice with her eyes covered. Just as he had listed a variety of his father's physical traits, now Hamlet goes through his mother's senseless organs. Eyes without feeling, feeling without sight, ears without hands or eyes, smelling sands all, or but a sickly part of one true sense could not so mope. All of these senses are sounding garbled, and Hamlet is saying that any sense so compromised, or even one true sense with just a sickly part of it left, would not make such a bewildered choice or move so uselessly. Even a half a sense could not so mope. He sidesteps into a very different kind of sense now, Gertrude's sense of shame, and cries out, Oh shame, where is thy blush? We're getting to the heart of Hamlet's anger towards his mother. How can she show so little shame at having so brazenly remarried so soon after her husband's murder, and worse yet, with his murderer? How is it that she doesn't even seem to blush at this? Hamlet has even more to say to his mother, and she finally gets a word in again, and we will continue the scene in the next episode. As ever, thank you for listening, and do be sure to follow on Twitter or Instagram at Hamlet Podcast, or visit us at the website, thehamletpodcast.com. I'll speak to you next week.